fucking go! Hello everybody, my name is Ian Taylor and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective, an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast, so come check us out. With me as always is my co-pilot in all things Marvel Cards, who once told me that if you disrespect everybody that you run into, how the world do you think anybody's supposed to respect you? If you don't give a heck about the man with the PMGs in his hand, just get out of the way and let the content guys do their thing. Because if you don't respect yourself, ain't nobody going to give a good kahoot. Na 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 oeo. Certainly great advice given respectfully from my good friend, Noren Rad. When did I say that? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> You've sung to that in the shower. You've sung to that in the shower. Sure. I mean, yeah, but like a recording? No, not 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 as not as of late. But uh, not too much anyway. <laughs> not someone that can trace. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Oh, it's going on. I'll tell you what was funny. I, I made a note of this, actually. When I was typing that, the last line of that was from my good friend, Noren Rad. It auto-corrected good to hood. So you are officially now my hood friend. That's what I get from being from Miami, Florida. That's what it is. Oh, no, you know I took mean? it to mean hood ornament. Oh, well, that's yeah. just a good position. What'd you say? <laughs> I don't want to know about that. Thank you very much. Um, I, I'm going to get straight into it because one of us has to go um, uh, soonish. Um, we have a guest this week, uh, uh, a young man who is, by by very definition of of the word, uh, a folk legend. Um, I understand. Uh, Mr. Eugene Hugh is with us. How you doing, Eugene? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, fellas. And it's somewhat of a folk legend. Somewhat of a folk legend. Well, listen, I, I he's misquoting everybody today, Eugene. I, I just I, don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm loose with the truth. What can I say? Um, I, I actually looked up the definition of folk legend uh, in one of the dictionaries, and it said, definition, noun, a tale or legend originating and traditional among a people or folk, especially one forming part of the old tradition of the common people. Any belief or story passed on traditionally, especially one considered to be false or based on superstition. <laughs> it just made me laugh. It just made me laugh. Anyway, Eugene, Eugene, now... You are, um, well, you're a massive collector of a character. Tell me, tell me your character that you go after. I'm a Spider-Man collector. Um, how that happened, I have been collecting cards since I was a very young kid, uh, spending my parents' allowance, um, like <laughs> everyone else. Uh, when Dad graduated, I, I collected uh, sports cards and Marvel cards as a kid. When Dad graduated, I collected Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, you name it. Um, always hid that. Uh, because I didn't want my friends to know, so I always played in uh, secret, uh, in secrecy at my local card shop. Um, quit playing once I was in, around 16 years old. Got back into Magic in college, and I had to hide that fact from my roommate as well. Was very, very concerned about optics, uh, but I did play competitively in uh, in Michigan, and then wow. I played Magic: The Gathering online. Um, 
uh, I once I quit, I didn't collect cards for I would say about ten years. And when I did come back, it was because um, I started being enthralled by basketball cards again, uh, by players like Luka Doncic, uh, Zion Williamson, and. I started collecting, you know, what cards I couldn't collect as a kid, which was Michael Jordan's cards. And I started collecting PSA 10 Michael Jordan cards. And as you can imagine, as the hobby boomed, um, I got priced out. I got priced out and I started buying uh, 90s uh, Marvel sets, um, just catching up on cards I never had and never had in binders. Um, And then... Gradually started looking to Upper Deck E-Pack, and that's when I opened my first box of Fleotra Spider-Man. That's great, man. What a good box to, like, be the first one to open, to on the way back. That's such a good set. Everyone remembers their first box of Fleotra Spider-Man. It was great. It was a great set. It was a lot of fun. It was a great set. Yeah, perfect balance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think from my last box, I pulled that green Spider-Man PMG that you got and i still have it Ian. yeah <laughs> that, was a, that was a that was as as you you've said before on your breaks that you do that was a banger <laughs> I it's funny so, to hear it in the british uh, accent <laughs> the banger over here is a sausage oh bangers oh. and mash I would never call it that thing. Or an old car, <laughs> you know, a banger. <laughs> um, but you, um, so th- that explains because on your, um, you've got, you've, you've actually got a dizzying number of Instagram feeds. But your kind of your main one is, is it rare collectibles or collection? Um, kind of narrowing it down, but yes, the main one's rare air collection. That's where I show my PC cards. Right. Rare collectibles is just like <laughs> is the first account, and it's where I imagine I would have uh, a revenue stream selling singles. But I've oh, never, okay. I've never really sold singles there. And then uh, rare breaks was just an account I used to organize uh, breaks, and that was usually among friends. Never, I never took it as anything more than that. Yeah. Well, well that, so here's that something explains funny. It, the basketball thing, the rare air. No, I, I love the rare air, by the way. The new logo you got, I really love that whole thing you put together. I really, I actually, the black and white, it's so uh, graphically appealing. I, mean, I get very jealous of other people's user image on Instagram because I'm like, damn, I should have thought of that. <laughs> like, I want my better. But so here's a fun fact, real quick. You're the only person I've ever purchased a card from a break from, like a spot. Oh, wow. oh that's the right. Only, only time I've ever done it was through you because you were having you were having so much fun on there and I was dying with the let it let go let, let's go and all that stuff and I was just having a blast and you know you and I have been friends for a while now and I was just like I'm gonna do it for the first time blah blah and I got the goose thing from Black Diamond and I I, I still have it somewhere in the garage but I was dying man because that's the only time I've ever done it that's it it's the only time I've ever done it and well, so the man <laughs> thank you um I really love those Black Diamond breaks. Um, it reminds me of better times in the hobby. And, you know, I, I, I wish I could have done more of it. But my policy was I didn't want to charge too much above market. So whatever I charged for a break, it was maybe like 20% or less above what I what I purchased the box for. And it really, it really sucks to see, you know, especially friends, come on to the breaks and lose money. So I didn't, I never wanted to take, make it long term. I never wanted to make uh, a revenue stream for myself uh, because I, I think to do that professionally, it, it relies on whales and yeah. that's just not sustainable for me. Yeah. 
No, and that that was a big reason. I remember. I mean, that was very much the vibe, right? And this was back in the day before anybody kind of really, it wasn't really happening. You know, no yeah. one was doing Marble Breaks. No, no, one. no, and no <laughs> one it wasn't happening at all. And Ian kept talking about Black Diamond. We kept talking to Grant Black, about Black Diamond. I was like, all right, I got to get these in hand. And then you did the break and I was like, perfect. <laughs> but no, <laughs> the vibe was, it was a very good vibe. And I, I remember that very fondly. It was awesome. Yeah. I think aside from Ali from Titan, you're the only other person I've seen watch yeah, uh, doing Marvel breaks. Uh, yeah, no, I personally watched um, doing Marvel breaks. I mean, correct, but, correct. Um, but at yeah. that time, it was pretty much just the two of you, and then of course Billy got involved. Um, That's right, Billy's doing it, um, now. and everyone was watching him open, um, and uh, other people got involved. Um, Cards of Metal um, got involved, and you know, and all of a sudden you throw a rock and you can hit someone breaking something. Um, <laughs> And, uh, it's become really popular it's, now. It's, yeah. It has become really popular, and actually, a little bit. What I what I find, which is why I don't watch many of them. It's it's it's, it's, it's why I, I often go back to Ali. Um, is because uh, <laughs> when you've got to make it interesting, yeah, it's got to be a little bit. And you know, in your Black Diamond one, I tuned into it, and I was I was. Um, I couldn't have the volume that loud. Just fortunate I didn't, because my goodness me, what a show you put on my track. <laughs> uh, it's the funny thing. That's 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 me in person. Um, I, I keep that same energy from you know who I am online as in, in real life. Uh, but also at times I'm I'm a huge introvert. Um, at times, and that makes the hobby very interesting to me because. The hobby for me is all about connecting with other people um, because you can't get anything done as a high-end collector unless you have a massive network with massive reach and generally treat people well. Um, you know that that's I, I I know I can get spicy when I am online. I know I can you know get a little trollish in my comments, but at the end of the day, I take care of people who take care of me and. You know, so but that energy I have online, I pass it on to myself in real life. Yeah, well, that's good. And and, and the other thing, which is why the intro was was how it was, is where I first kind of came to to know you exist and and, and start to know you was on the EPAC forum. Mm-hmm. And you would always say when you were talking to people, you would say that you would add the word respectfully. Um, and i think that came from from something where tell me how that came about because it does make me laugh and occasionally i drop it back because you you don't tend to be on there as much anymore you had to bring this up okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so i you know being probably the top two or top three people on EPAC in, t- in regards to Field of Spider-Man in terms of product opened. Um, I was on EPAC a lot. And, um, you know, my sarcastic self, I would get into a lot of, oh, how do you describe this? Chat battles? Chat arguments? Skirmish- skirmishes? Skirmishes. Skirmishes. There you go. Skirmishes <laughs> on the EPAC chat forum, the entertainment forum. And um, I had received a warning once from a UD admin. I was like, fine, um, I'll just accept it. I'll keep it moving. But then one person came on and he was in MCCW. He, he won't be named, but he was talking about in the chat about taking a loan and buying out the rest of the Fiatra Spider-Man inventory. Oh, and my then, goodness. He's no longer there, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> he's, check. He's but, gone a long time ago. 
I was just going to say, I was like, I think I know that person. Well, no, no, no. We, we know the person because we were actually, weirdly enough, he was he was getting into it to break stuff. Um, huh? And then he ended up he ended up posting stuff against group rules. Um, and then we were actually due to get him on the podcast. No, and I'd, I'd reached out to him because he's, he started out in the, with the appearance of, of someone relatively decent to talk to and then very quickly turned into a bit of a twat. Anyway, sorry, carry on, Eugene. <laughs> I'm very curious if you censor that. Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> no, the word twat is acceptable. <laughs> so he um, he then made another comment saying, would you Upper Deck take a discount if he bought out all the remaining inventory? In the chat. So basically talking about backdooring inventory from Upper Deck. So naturally, uh, troll mode got activated. Uh, I was very... <laughs> I was very sarcastic, you know. I was like, "Wow, imagine thinking you're going to take a profit, uh, you know, taking out a loan on these cards, yada yada yada." And then UD warned me again, and I was like, "Can you tell me what I'm being warned about?" And they couldn't. They literally wrote, "You know what you did," and I was like, "I." And then they were like, "Be respectful to uh, other people in the in the entertainment community or in the chat." And I was like, "Okay, I can do that." So. For the next six to nine months, every comment I posted on the Upper Deck Eat Pack chat, every single comment I added respectfully at the end. Even if it was a snipe at someone, even if it was a, you know, uh, a twat comment, like <laughs> add respectfully at the end, just so, you know, people know I'm being respectful. Respectful. Hi there, respectfully. It was like a velvet glove that you'd slap people with. I fucking. <laughs> It was really That's good. Great. It was really good. I keep meaning I to put it on I didn't realize that. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was um, – so I'm curious. We're going to get into the National in a minute because um, you recently went to the National. And that in itself, for those who don't know, uh, the National is a primarily sports cards convention that happens once a year, different venue in the States every year. Um, and it's been going for – Decades. I remember Grant Sanground talking about being there in the early nineties when he was. A it's considered the largest decade. and the most probably significant yeah. event over. Um, yeah, for and Grant. it was it was relatively local to where you are, Eugene. It was in Atlantic City, I believe, about two weekends ago. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll get onto that in a minute because I'm. I want to before we get onto that and why you went there and what you were doing. I want to talk about your. Um, obviously, you've you've chosen or actually I, I like to think that characters often choose you a very very popular character more so perhaps in the last two three years since Endgame and you know especially Far From Home than ever before so how did Spider-Man become the one and tell us about the challenges of that because I, I wager that you probably couldn't do n now what you've already done if. Yeah, because you did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you kind of did it. You know what I mean? In a, in a he's, crazy he's only way. gone and done it. Yeah. He's only gone and done it. Ooh. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, I I come from nothing, uh, meaning my parents are immigrants. They worked in restaurants. Uh, my mom was like uh, working as a waitress at a hotel. Like uh, they grinded their whole lives to give me anything and everything. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but because of that, my parents rarely gave me gifts. Um, I didn't have, you know, nice sneakers growing up. I didn't have, you know, nice clothes, et cetera. 
uh, but they did allow me to buy a pack of cards a week. Uh, they did. I don't know where my dad came across this. I've never asked. I'm sure it fell off the truck of one of his uh, many friends. Uh, but he came home once with a massive box of comics. And it was Spider-Man comics. It was X-Men comics. And it was uh, Deadpool. And surprisingly enough, those became the characters I collect today. But Spider-Man resonated with me the most. Um, I watched the, the cartoons growing up. I had toys. Um, I watched all the, the Tobey Maguire movies, obviously. I watched all the Andrew, Maguire, uh, Andrew Garfield movies. Um, and I'm just a boy from Queens. And one of the things that Spider-Man battles with is, you know, his responsibility to do good. And honestly, I battle with that all the time. Uh, it's tough being a good person. It's a choice, right? Um, I, I genuinely believe people are inherently good, but eventually it becomes a choice. And that's a you know, choice I've battled with, I would say, most of my youth and most of my, uh, most of my adult life. And the character just really resonates to me. Um, so, again, I, the first box I opened was Clear Ultra Spider-Man. I remember, I remember my hit was terrible. It was like a buyback, but I was so excited about it. I was like, oh, I've seen these cards before. And I was like, oh, they're stamped now. That's cool. Um, and something I forgot to mention earlier, as a, as a Michael Jordan collector, Mike, for Michael Jordan cards, precious metal gems were like some of the holy grails for, for a sports collector for Michael Jordan. And for me, when I saw that Spider-Man had precious metal gems, and you know ex entry that are numbered and you know just metal, and metal cards just these cards are so beautiful and for me i just gravitated towards the character and i bought a lot of precious metal gems i traded for a lot of precious metal gems um and at that time there were definitely <laughs> well even today there was no interest in market manipulation there was no interest in cornering the market it was just hey i love this card and you know i love having multiples of them um, and I love how it looks when I have them all on my table and they, I have a rainbow or I have a stack of them. It's just a really cool feeling as a collector. Um, and we'll talk more about this later, but that really was just being at the right place, right time. And it allowed me to be the collector who I am today. I am very lucky and I would never consider myself as someone who was deviously strategic to get to this point. No, I mean, no way. I mean, like, I've known you. I don't, I mean, we were all talking about uh, Fleet Ultra Spider Man for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like when when you kind of came into the group and, you know. And I I, I don't even know how we first met Eugene. Um, I just don't remember the moment. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like you came to the hobby and suddenly we were talking. I just don't remember. It was, well, it was via EPAC and then all the Fleet Ultra Spider Man. Maybe it was. And then I think JD brought you into our uh, character. Maybe that's yeah, how it was. I think that's yeah, how yeah. it was. I, mean, I think you're right. A couple of years ago now. So I think that I think you're right because there were such good people on EPAC. You know, Stephen Frank, you. You know, like there were just so many mm-hmm. good people who were like just really helpful, like legit helpful. You know what I mean? Not asking for a lot in return, no like shady stuff. And there was a good like section of people in the hobby who were collecting multiples of one card. Like I haven't. I mean, Surfer's always been an pain in the butt to collect you know what i mean so i've never like stacked multiples not really but 
when you're ahead of a set and you get into a set, you have that choice. I mean, you know what I mean? If you're the one buying the set and you're the main person buying it, at one point you are going to be like, well, I have one. I like it so much. Might as well have the second one. And you just go to – I don't think people realize that a lot of times when people stack cards, they're not stacking them for profit. At least – and that's some, not all, obviously. But some people it does become kind of like a fun kind of like – exercise to do i remember jd talking to me so much about it back in the day um because I, I just you know never had the practice to do it but um you know just to go on a long tangent off of that but it was a very different environment like you said with Fleer ultra spider-man i don't think a lot of people were i don't think anybody that i really knew was in that mindset of like oh i'm gonna hold all of these because this is going to be extremely valuable like i don't think anyone thought that so let me psychoanalyze myself here um, like I mentioned, I, I collected card games uh, like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon as a kid. Oftentimes, you would have four of the same card to the deck. Right, you have to. Uh, yeah. You don't have to, but like, you know, like the best cards in your deck. You want them to come up back in the deck so you can pull them. Yes, yeah. you want to maximize. Right. And I think that translated to the way I collect anything and everything. Um, I also collect sneakers uh, since I was uh, in high school, to, and I oh, still do wow. to this very day. Um, and whenever I collected sneakers and I found a sneaker I liked that I would wear and that was cheap, I bought multiple pairs, two pairs, three pairs. Uh, oftentimes it would be one to rock, one to stock, and one to flip. That was the mentality I had as a uh, sneaker collector. Um, so again, when, it, when I started collecting Spider-Man, this just translated. And also there was the the natural collecting habits of Fleetwood Spider-Man because there were combines, right? There were 100 base yes. combines. There were uh, 10x metal combines. So you would accumulate multiples of a card and eventually it became, well, I enjoy this. Why don't I do this with the other cards I like, especially in this set? Um, and, you know, JD is a hoarder as well. Uh, shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to my enabler. Uh, who has let me down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he certainly um, is. Bless him. I just remember <laughs> the fun we had actually getting all of our, our um, rainbows sorted. Oh, some, of them the were, some of them were such a grind. I mean, someone only recently finished one in in our in our group. Oh as yeah, well. um, was JD missing like two of something? I don't remember. I don't, we no, don't need it wasn't. The it wasn't JD. It was. Uh, it might have been Greg. Anyway, someone only recently. Well, it was JD. Oh, it was JD. Hey, great JD. JD. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's um it's crazy. And you know, people are still nibbling away at it, but it's my goodness, it's it's getting much more difficult now. Um so I do not envy the person trying oh, to do it now. <laughs> and as for a web foil, forget about it. No, um no, no so way. I want to uh, segue quite nicely on the back of this wonderful collection to what brought you to the national two weeks ago in Atlantic City. So tell us about what you took and what was in the cases that you displayed there. Yeah, I mean, to provide some context, uh, I would say at this point, Spider-Man is my main collection. Uh, but I still very do care about uh, Michael Jordan and his cards tremendously to this day. Um, I, I still search uh, on eBay daily uh, for Michael Jordan PSA 10. I have you know a whole list of inserts that I comb through. Um, 
But this brought me to national in 2021 in Chicago. Um, that was the same weekend that Black Diamond released or broke. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that, that was the same, re- same weekend that Black Diamond released on EPAC. Uh, so I went to national with a mission of looking strictly for Michael Jordan cards. I, I felt that I might come across some marble and I asked for it. Uh, and I actually did acquire a few cards there, but it wasn't, you know, like at every table or anything like that. Uh, marble was just starting to make some noise. Um, the PMG market had boomed a little because of um, Ian Fisher's auction. Uh, so, you know, the hobby was talking about it, but the hobby hadn't dived in full force yet. Uh, and when I say the hobby, I mean uh, the general public. And so I went there, I had an amazing time. I met uh, Stephen Frank there. Uh, I met Frank from our chat. I met, uh, also I meet over there. Met a bunch of other collectors. Uh, was it, Donald there? Uh, Donald was there, but we didn't link uh, because our days didn't match. Yeah, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't there as an exhibitor, by the way. I was uh, sorry, I wasn't there as a vendor. I was there as a uh, attendee, gotcha. um, and I spent some money buying uh, sports wax, uh, opening cards with friends. But I remember specifically, um, I went to a nice dinner at uh, Girl and the Goat, which is a nice restaurant in Chicago. Um, had maybe twelve people at the dinner, and six of us were doing a black diamond break hit draft in person at the dinner and none of these guys had seen the cards before none of these guys had held them in hand but they they they've seen my breaks online they know that i'm into marble uh, they have a little more disposable income than me so they were having fun with it and we were just loving the stuff we we did one box and they're like yeah let's do another let's do another we did another uh. box Eventually, um, that led to my friend who just joined the hobby, and he he's kind of a whale. I, uh, he, he who won't be named. Oh, he, is he the guy who's in the restaurant business? No, 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 but he's a, he's a whale as well. Oh, okay. right. <laughs> uh, it's a big ocean. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friend that joined the hobby that, that weekend quit his full-time job and grinds cards as, as living now. Oh, wow. Yeah, but so that that after that dinner that night, the next day we were at National, we walked by Dave and Adam, and I remember this so vividly. Um, they had two cases of Black Diamond. And then my friend was like, yo, do you think that's a good buy? It was like at like 550 a box, per box. Uh, and I forget, six card, six box uh, case, I think. So it's uh, about yes. 30, about 3,300 for the case. We obviously negotiated with Dave and Adam's little, got it down to maybe like 525 a box. Um, and I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> That's what I said to him. I was like, I don't think <laughs> you're to make money here, but I think you're gonna have a lot of fun and you might get lucky and then hit something uh, that you'll cherish for the rest of your hobby career. So he bought the box. The second he bought that box, Dave and Adam took the second box and hit it. The second case, uh, the second he bought that case, Dave and Adams took the second case and hit it. Okay. We ripped that box. Uh, Stephen Frank's there. Uh, Frank from our chat's there. We're we're all loving it. Like there's a, a whole bunch of us getting excited, getting rowdy. Think uh, five Asians and two white guys uh, being loud at the hobby. This is not a normal sight for most. And we're all walking by is like, what are these guys opening? And they're like, oh, Marvel. And they just kept walking. But as we get louder and louder, we brought a crowd. And my friends stunk it up, box after box. It was just nothing of interest to them. And then the last box, he hits a Thanos Infinity Stone. Oh, uh, well, the six diamonds, we're yeah. we're screaming. We're screaming. Oh. Like, we're yelling it, and, and we were having so much fun. And we asked for the second case, and Dave and Adam's like, oh, we don't have it anymore. It's sold. 
<laughs> wow. Um, that's a long, long intro. But basically, I had a ton of fun at the National that year. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I would love to bring my Marvel cards next year. And at that time, I was thinking, oh, I'll bring in a briefcase. Uh, you know, I'll trade it around. I'll show people. But as th that was in that, that was in July, end of July, uh, 2021. And as we can all recall, the hobby changed dramatically between September and December. Um, without naming anyone, we just saw market makers step into uh, the Marvel cards hobby. Uh, we saw hoarders. We saw speculators. Uh, we saw people who took it, who looked at it as an investment, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. Uh, collect the way you want to collect. Um, but it was all centered around precious metal gems, and to us, to us, uh, lesser effect, jambalayas. The reason why is because these are sports crossover inserts, and this is the natural affinity for sports crossover uh, for sports collectors like myself. You know, I started collecting with uh, precious metal gems, and that is fine. And I have no problem with people thinking that that is their grail. Again, collect how you want to collect. But um, they were disregarding every other card in the Marvel hobby. Cards that, you know, I spent a lot of time to learn about, to learn to appreciate. There were, uh, I, I am arguably the biggest Marvel Masterpiece Spider-Man collector now. When I first started collecting Marvel Masterpieces, I didn't have much. I didn't have anything. It was 2021. It was uh, 2021. I had a bunch of uh, Marvel Masterpieces 2020 cards and not much else besides that. So for me, I was like, this is offensive. If I'm a Marvel collector, an OG who has collected Marvel cards for a long time, one of the most important aspects about Marvel cards, in my opinion, is the art, is the artist, is the art on these cards. And a lot of collectors didn't know that precious metal gems were using recycled art that uh, there are sets for Marvel, like Marvel Masterpieces, Marvel Anime, et cetera, et cetera. Fleet Ultra Spider-Man, Fleet Ultra X-Men, that commission artists to produce original art for these sets. That is amazing. That is not something that you come across other uh, genres of the hobby. You're not getting commission yeah, yeah. art for sports. Um, yeah, you'll get it from Magic the Gathering, you'll get it for Pokemon, but like you don't get it for licensed card sets for MCU or any of these other um, uh, license card says my dream is to one day produce a, a card set for the office. Um, oh, uh, the yes. version, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, the Euro version is trash, my friend. Uh, <laughs> my hero. Uh, so yeah, so I saw the hobby change dr dramatically, and it was very upsetting. And I consider myself a student of the hobby even today. Um, I would never tell anyone I'm an expert because there's so much that I am still learning every day and I'm learning from people who know so much more than me, you know, um, like in our character chat itself, I'm, I'm constantly going and referencing and asking people who's this character because I just don't even know. Uh, but it's a learning process. It's a journey. And I feel like a lot of people took that shortcut coming into the Marvel cards hobby and they didn't want to learn. They didn't want to I, learn about I, I it. Was think it, was it, it wasn't even a shortcut. It was just simply monkey do, monkey see, monkey do, right? Mm -hmm. There was no like investigative journey. There was no nothing. Like I remember, I don't know, this happened, if funny enough, the timeline from what I remember, and you correct me if I'm wrong, was that I had been looking for 
the green surfer for like six years. Mm-hmm. Like Ian knows about this. That's like one of the biggest cards I was missing from the surfer collection. I've been here for a long time, a long time relatively now to other people. And it wasn't until that eBay thing where I made the decision to pay stupid money for it, which I'm, I've said in private chats, people were like, you can't regret that. That's stupid to regret that. But in a way I do because it, it just from then on in, my price threshold increased and that happens to all collectors. Um, but, and, and, you know, I made a video about it cause it's been how I had people like you guys don't even know, like Ian knows this, but people were not nice to me on blowout. When I asked about that card, I told Ian, like people were like, yo, it's never happening. Good luck. Like go screw yourself. Like it was rough goings for real. Um, and I started talking about buybacks I started talking about Marvel 75th Gold, which is all the rage now. You can yeah. see this on my video chat. It goes from that one PMG video about my green to all these other sectors of the hobby that are just now being investigated. I think a lot of people, like you said, which is a really great point, is that people didn't spend the time. And mm-hmm. that's the most frustrating part. You know what I mean? It's not so much what people decide to collect. It's not so much... <laughs> people's opinions you know that is whatever that's always you know everyone should have different opinions is what creates a healthy market blah 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 but the fact that people weren't doing the legwork was just disrespectful to the marvel hobby as a whole and yeah yeah, that was a huge issue for me too to your point i never thought about that way and now that you've mentioned it you're kind of right like i was so mad at the market manipulators i was like upset with content creators who hadn't done their research but at the end of the day it's the people who consume the content and then make a decision and i i won't get political but this is reflective of the world today we live in an age of misinformation um people get stuck in a position and refuse to change um and we see that even in the hobby yeah yeah 100 percent so to to get closer to the whole point of this, um, so I saw the hobby change, and I thought to myself, I would love to show my cards and show more than just precious metal gems at the National Sports Card Co- uh, Convention because there'll be a lot of sports card collectors there. So um, a lot of things happen in December, and. Um, Without going into too much detail, one of my grails got moved on the secondary market, um, and I became resigned that I will never uh, acquire that card. Never say never, but um, I gave up chasing that card. Uh, but I, I'm not going to lie. I took advantage of uh, that market, too, and I let go a couple of big cards. And I use those I use those funds from those cards to acquire what today is the centerpiece of my collection. And that's the 2016 um, Marvel Masterpieces, Red Spectrum, uh, Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man, um, and which is number one and number 90 in the set. Uh, and they, both of those cards are one of ones. And along with those cards, I acquired the full rainbow. I acquired plates. I acquired uh, Joe Jusco pack pulled sketches um, of said character. Uh, of so people said character. Yeah. And this was pa- basically, in my opinion, passed down to me by a great collector by the name of Jonathan Siegel. Rockstar. Who, me, um, who I have developed a year long friendship 
through multiple conversations, not just about cards. And um, obviously at the start or beginning of every conversation, I'd be like, by the way, if you ever want to move those cards, I am here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, The offers increased every conversation and eventually got to a point where, hey, I am being paid a premium on cards that I collect. And because I am do being because of this uh, fortunate position I am in, I am now able to offer you a premium on your cards that I was never able to offer before, and that's full transparency, right? It's not like, yo, all of a sudden I offer you, I, I value your cards at this uh, tremendous amount. No, 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 I don't. I probably didn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, like in a, in a normal world, um, I wouldn't be able to afford it. Uh, but it was a very fortunate circumstance. Made him very happy. Made uh, put him in a different position. Uh, and for me, I got to feel more complete with my collection, um, and I felt I felt compelled to display it at the National Sports Card Convention. And my good buddy, who's now in uh, MCCW, uh, Andrew Park, the Korean one. <laughs> There's two Andrew Parks in the group. He was uh, so nice at, at Atlanta. I've met him first in Atlanta. He was aw- he was so because pl- I walked by and I saw Marvel and I kind of recognized him for some reason. I don't know why. And we we hit it off. So it was so funny that you knew him because I was like, this hobby is like so small, man. Hang on. So, so painfully there's, there's, small. There's two guys by that name in the group. Yeah. Yep. But this is yeah. where my confusion comes in completely. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll be there. Yeah, so Andrew's kind of like my car mentor uh, in Korean, uh, which is his native tongue and my wife's native tongue. Uh, we call him Hyun, uh, which means older brother. And that's how I treat him. He's like my older brother to me. And he told me he has a table at uh, the, the National. And I'm like, how? Uh, because the National doesn't really take in new tables. It's done by like raffle, I believe. Uh, you sign up for a wait list and then you they raffle and they choose, you know, the new tables they add. They're like, if you join the list now, you probably won't join for, you know, six plus years. Um, but he he had a friend who was grandfathered in and um, was willing to bring us on to his table. So I was like, okay, just FYI, I'm bringing Strictly Marvel and most of it's going to be not for sale, uh, not for sale, not for trade. And he's like, that's amazing. Like at first I was, I, I thought he'd be like, yo, you're wasting everyone's time. Uh, but no, he's, he, he was fully on board with me. He's like, that's amazing. Do what you want to do. So I brought Marvel Masterpieces 2016, 2018, and 2020, uh, my Spider-Man collection, uh, which had it, which ranged from base to high end as high as, uh, the red spectrum one of ones and printing plates. Um, and then of course I brought the precious metal gems. Uh, from 2013, 15, and 17 for Spider-Man. Uh, but I didn't put that in the center display because I wanted people to come by and I wanted them to see Marvel Masterpieces. Not because I want to push a set, but just to create a conversation that there are cards besides Precious Metal Gems. So, And to be fair, I also featured Marvel Retro inserts. Um, I I included uh, creator sketchographs from John Romita Sr., um, hey, hey, sketch, you know, sketch grass are trash. Remember, Eugene. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, garbage. Don't go. Don't go. Garbage. Don't don't, don't do that. <laughs> and you know, I also show like the Flare Ultra Spider Man Rainbow Web Foils um, cards that people don't know exist. Um, and I had so much fun. I had so much fun in National. Um, but I'll, I'll turn it back to you guys to ask your questions before I continue. 
Oh, no, no, no. Um, I'm just enthralled by it, quite frankly. Um, we've seen some photos of the display. So with your blessing, um, we'll put them on the tasting notes for the episode so people can 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 see them because it was it was quite amazing. And boy, it was beautiful, Instagram, yeah. everyone was just like, there were so many people sharing sharing them on Instagram, which was great. Um, so what was what was the kind of response that you got from people how how was it received um obviously you have people that you know stopped by but just you know the people that, that maybe you didn't know especially the sports folks yeah yeah um i want to note that the national sports card convention is very much a sports show <laughs> We had a lot of people travel in that collects marble, and that was amazing to meet all these uh, collectors, especially from MCCW or Instagram that I have chatted with, but I've never met in person. And I'll tell you, people are a lot nicer in person. Um, <laughs> but, That's what I've been saying. <laughs> uh, but uh, a lot of the people that came by were sports card collectors. And Andrew Park, uh, my friend who was also at the table, set up a, display, a showcase for his bronze metal set from Fletcher Spider-Man and a pattern metal set. So, oh. so sandwished in between so were, were my Marvel Masterpieces and my my own personal metal, gem, uh, personal metal gems. But everyone that came by from the sports world was like, those are sick cards. And then I look where they're pointing and they're pointing at Andrew's cards. <laughs> they're pointing at the pattern metal set and the bronze metal set and, and Andrew's having a laugh. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, amazing cards. Thank you. Uh, these are this is the sticker price. By the way, um, there's high end Marvel masterpieces right in front of you, <laughs> and um, I, I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs. And uh, you know, I'm I'm super nice to people who are genuinely curious about the hobby, so that I, I speak to them, and I'm like, just so you know, this is probably the first time at any card show where these red spectrums have been in the same room at the same time. And this is for sure the first time that it's in the same showcase together. Mm. Um, and they're like, what's a red spectrum? And then that just snowballed the conversation. So I started talking about Marvel masterpieces. There was the 92 buybacks in there. So people were like, oh, I remember that set. And I was like, oh, if you remember Joe Jusco from 1992, um, Upper Deck decided to create a high-end version of Marvel masterpieces starting in 2016, where all the base cards are numbered and there's tiers uh, and high-end serial numbered inserts. And they're like, whoa, I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, for example, this card's the one of one and I would take it out of the showcase and show them. They're like, oh, wow, it has the one of one stamp, just like in sports cards. And then I talked about 2018 and Simone Bianchi and uh, God, I hope I pronounced that name correctly. And then uh, I uh, I showed 2020 and I mentioned Dave Palumbo and I was like, this is uh, a Magic the Gathering artist at Upper Deck Commission. And just so you know, if you collected Marvel cards in the 90s, that's the son of Julie Bell, who did the art for, uh, along with Boris, for uh, Marvel Masterpieces in 1995. And a lot of these new collectors who recognize 90s cards were having their mind blown. And they're like, wow. Yeah, because they can see the legacy and the lineage. I mean, to see him from, you know, coming from that lineage from 1996 Marvel Masterpiece set, and the art is completely different. You know, even though I I do think Palumbo does fantasy art specifically because he was working on Magic Gathering Illustrator, so I I think he does fall in that same vein. It's so different, right? But it it is nice to see that kind of linear line right because it does feel like a circle it feels like yes. you know what i mean it, feel, it feels very purposeful before other collectors rail on me i will correct myself yes 1996 not 1995 <laughs> 
Oh good, yeah, good. Because I, I was I was going to I was going to put a disclaimer at the end of the episode. <laughs> <there>. uh, <laughs> um, so the sports guys, do, do you think not that this was necessarily maybe it was your goal? I don't know. Do you think you convert converted is the wrong word? Do you think that your your goal was to showcase and, and bring new people kind of an awareness. Do you think that you achieved that? To, yes to and no. Um, yes, in the fact that it was definitely done. No, in the fact that this is still very much a sports card show. And it is going to take more than just me um, yeah. to start that wave. And and I say when I say more than just me, I mean people who genuinely care just about growing the space of the hobby with no other MO. Um, a lot of people came by and they pointed at the Marvel Retro inserts. They pointed at the Pressure Metal Gems. They pointed at Andy sets. How much is this? How much is that? Um, and I, you know, showed them the sticker that I brought cards to a card show uh, and they're not for sale. I was being ballsy. Um, and you know, I mean, I, you're trying to give. It was similar to Heroes Con, where we're trying to give like a museum experience, right? It's not about. And, and, you know, because someone did try to get that dual auto Spider-Man, the, you know, the MCC 98 one from me, like some sneaky kind of fractional dude was like, yo, is that for sale? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, this is this car. He goes, I know what it is. Is it for sale? And I was like, OK, get the hell out of here. I was like, you jerk. Um, but it is it is going to take. It, 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 I mean, I can only, I'm so sad I wasn't able to go to national. I was definitely sick. Ian was moving. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff going on, unfortunately, because I was looking forward to it. And you had mentioned it to me that you, you were planning on doing this. And it is really special to see, like, and I, and this is not an ego boost for you. And I, and I don't mean to any lady down. I have known Eugene for a long time. So there's, there's nothing here to be said that I'm, that he doesn't know. I already think, but that collection doesn't exist that you have. You know what I mean? That's not a collection for someone to go seek out. It just it just doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what's special about it being front and center at such a, a mecca event for trading cards. It is sports, but it is, you know, a lot of people go there with trading cards also in mind. You know, I think I think you're right. I think I don't I hope I would love to see it happen at sports card shows and card shows. But in my experience, I really want to see it start moving through comic cons like big comic cons like new york comic con coming up and san diego next year like i want to see these things there on full display because that's their art you know you were mentioning this before like people don't understand how significant mm is especially mm 16 because mm 16 was the start of our really understanding of modern collecting for marvel card collectors so it really is ms 16 to sports card collectors that were there is that this is the exquisite 2003 of Marvel cards. Uh, yep. For people who don't understand exquisite 2003, that is probably the pinnacle of collecting for basketball card collectors, for Michael Jordan card collectors. Um, and I and there, there's exquisite sets after that. There's there's It's not just yeah. 2003, but 2003 was the first year of it. And that's the significance of it. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people position that as the reason why Marvel 13 Precious Metal Gems are uh, the pinnacle of Precious Metal Gems. I get it. Um, so it's the first year that happened. And to, we'll go back to your point about Comic-Con in a bit. Um, but I want to describe the environment that was at Nashville. Um, Please. People would come by and be like, you know, and, you know, get educated or learn or or just, you know, absorb the visuals of this collection and then ask me, so how much is this worth? 
and and point that specific cards like like what would it take for you to sell that and i i don't think they were genuinely interested in purchasing uh, to be very clear i think they were trying to gauge if they were to start collecting how much would these cards be worth and like you know how do they get to that point is there any money in it for them as well yes yes is there any money i think that's that was a, a common theme and my response to them was this is not for sale you could offer me seven figures right here today. I'm not saying it's worth seven figures, but you you wouldn't be able to pry these cards out of my hands for seven figures because if you did, I would have to start. I would have to stop collecting. That's something that people don't realize. And I had major arguments with people about this um, when they're trying to purchase my cards or trying to uh, you know get cards for my collection. <laughs> if took yeah. a major card from my collection, I would probably have to part with everything. Like unless I need the unless I need the money, like I will not feel whole. No, yeah, it's a right? Jenga tower. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. that's how yeah. collect. It's exactly. Yeah. It, that's what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you pull one log, I mean, it's weird. Like I always talk to you guys about this. About like when I go through my collection, I'm always like, okay, how do I make sense of my collection? And I redefine that every couple of years because it's important for me to constantly understand what it means to me as the whole. Because, you know, and that and that's a big thing. Like, you know, I wasn't able to yeah, I had multiple chances to get um, MM16 Silver Spectrum Auto Surfer right throughout the air. <laughs> you know, I had like I had like I had like two or three times really to get the card. Um, but I kept stopping at the price because I couldn't do it, you know, because Juice Go had signed a lot of things. And in my head, I already had the what if alpha and I was already so proud of that card. And, you know, I had the buyback auto. I had the plate set. So I felt really comfortable with my collection. So I kept saying kept passing on that. And it's because of that kind of idea is like eventually these cards are going to get so expensive that if I don't make sense of this collection and I can keep this collection. Like there are cards that people would look at. I've shown Eugene and Ian that are like, that's a doodle. Like, what is that? Like, why is that important? I would keep that card over every other card. And you know what I mean? It's just because people collect differently and people have to make sense of their collections for themselves. Yes. But, and it, that's a huge part Eugene. I remember you telling me about that story. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you, but it's just such a good story. Uh, no, I'm glad you said that. Cause I've, I've had exactly the same this year when I, you know, I had to, um, make a decision to sell what possibly a month before I decided to sell it was one of the highest value cards in my collection. Yeah. Um, simply because I, I needed the revenue and I'm, I, you know, I grappled with that and, um, I'm kind of glad it didn't sell. Um, although yeah, yes. Could I still use the money? Yes. But is it going to get that money? No. Um, and, um, <laughs> Sorry, Eugene. I've just read your message. I know that's breaking the four four, but it just made me laugh. <laughs> uh, you can say that if you want. Sorry, to. I we'll apologize. Have, you can say that if you want to. We'll have fun with that. Um, I don't remember what you just. We'll talk about. No, people, that's the thing. People always forget it, and people always. When I say, "Oh, you might want to write it down," they're like, "No, no, no, no." Ninety minutes later, it's like, "What do I say again?" Anyway, um, but um, <laughs> including Noren. <clears throat> But um, yep, <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad it hasn't moved because in my head I rationalised it, but now I'm kind of thinking, you know, my my PMG uh, Black Cat has only had one PMG, uh, yeah. which was uh, Spider Man. Um, yeah. 
just like surfer which i'm i'm kind of i'm, I'm okay with that you know um, <laughs> um yeah. in my head because i've got i've now got three of the plates from that. um i've just got the base metal patterned i've got my second one hopefully coming from comc because years ago i sent the first one it turned out to be a regular metal how many people you can <laughs> you can have that said to um then i've got the bronze uh, i've also got a graded one of those um was it was it go then does it go red blue or blue red i can't remember now anyway blue red green purple so um in my head i rationalized selling the purple because it would still mean i had a full nine page mm-hmm. isn't that crazy the way you, you like you you make sense to that to that to yourself yeah I'm, I'm now i'm glad it didn't go because it's like it wouldn't have been complete you know the one the one of one i'll never own because i can never i can't play at that level so i know exactly what you mean and i'm you know i like knowing i have to sit down every once in a while and look at it and for the last year and i don't know if you've ever done this eugene knowing i know you've done it i know pankett's done it with captain america oh yeah but i've defined the kind of the the edges of the jigsaw by making a massive spreadsheet of every appearance of <laughs> shaking his head <laughs> Poor that, Eugene. Way li- that way lies madness I ain't it's got time so for that. <laughs> funny because there's no way because eugene like eugene has pretty much i mean like if you look at this a spider-man what a spider-man master collection looks like and we've talked about this on the channel eugene's collection has the most reasonable and the most you could possibly do you know what i mean of a spider-man master collection like i don't think Unless they're looking at it from like other angles, but I don't even think you can. And and we've talked about this and collecting printing plates. Cards. It's just yeah. and and it's the and I think what Eugene's done so great. And sorry to talk about you in third person, but I am very impressed by what you did. Um, you really looked at the sets that had a lot of historical value. It's curated. Yeah, it's curated. It's beautifully curated. Thank you. Um, I guess people. It's, I guess I should talk about my life professionally to understand why I played the way I did and how I got there. Um, I won't do my whole career route, but I, ha- I am an art advisor to uh, two big collections in Asia. Um, I have done brand strategy for uh, many corporate clients. Um, currently, at my job, I lead cultural marketing. And what that means is I, you know, have a pulse. I, I have a finger on the pulse of youth culture. Um, I know what's important. I know what um, it's it's having taste, for lack of better words, um, and doing that professionally. Um, why I why is my collection looking the way it does and why does it feel curated is because that is my approach to life. Everything I have should feel curated with there's my wardrobe where there's the art on my walls whether it is um you know what i post on the internet like how i am perceived i i believe in curation um and i believe there's a value to it and i believe it's not something everyone can do um and without and and i'm not saying that in an arrogant way like for example when i when i uh organized that showcase i probably spent an hour and a half just trying to figure out the visual merchandising. I didn't plan ahead of time. I literally opened my box of cards. I was like, how am I going to make this look good? <laughs> and Andy like finishes like uh, setup in like, <laughs> 10 minutes. And he's like staring at me like, uh, like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, all right, this, this, what do you think? Does this card go here? Should it be on top? Should I have the shiny card more in the center? So people grab, grab people's attention, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> There's a thought process 
and curation to everything that I, I do. Um, yeah, that 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 was why it looked the way it did, and I, I do take pride in it. But hear this, okay. I didn't. If you check my Instagram feed, there's actually no photo on my grid because I feel like I couldn't take a photo that did justice. <laughs> for yeah. How it looked. yeah. And my OCD was like, I, I can't put this out there. So I'll let other people take photos, but I can't do anything. <laughs> it's hard, man. Especially like the cards are so reflective. It's very difficult to get the right lighting. I mean, you really need a studio. I've been, I'm so cheap. I just don't want to buy the multi-system light setup that you need. Like most people do it in those boxes, but yeah. you really need diffusers. You need three light setup. Like yeah. you really need, and you need a right micro lens to handle the depth, especially when you get to rainbow foils on Fleer Spider-Man. Like that is a nightmare to get really clean. Well, the light box tough. doesn't work. Yeah. Well, this is what I wanted to talk about because it was one of my list of questions. And thank you for segueing. It's like we planned this, Eugene. <laughs> uh, um, is I want to talk about the uh, photography of your cards that you share. Uh, tell us about your, your approach to that because, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. So at first I started trying to take the photos myself and I was like, I this sucks. My photos suck. Um, what am I going to do? So then I bought a light box. This is and, uh, for everyone listening. This is regards to my Instagram rare collection. And um, basically, I have my photos of my cards on there. Uh, so, some of my cards are on there. And I uh, have a very, again, a curated approach to how I want those cards presented. So, yeah, I bought the light box. I took the photos myself. I was like, yo, my photos suck. The, the There's glare on it. There's uh, the, the, yeah. the foil effects not coming out. I was like, how do other people do this? So I started asking other people. They're like, oh, we scan it. And I was like, okay. So I tried that. And it works well in the sense that you get a nice flat photo, but uh, flat in terms of uh, level. But right. you, you don't get effects, not always. Um, and I was like, well, I need to find a better solution. So I started speaking to photographers, and I actually had one come by, and he, he tried with the light box. And he's like, I'm gonna tell you right now, there's no way you can do this without editing the photos. And I was like, well, I don't, who, who has time for that? I don't have time for that. Um, and I was like, I was like, can you do it? He's like, yeah, but it would cost you. I'm like, hmm. Um, so I, asked, I asked more photographers and they, and I just got second opinions and they were all, they all said the same. And then I reached out to Noah Godowitz, shout out to my photographer who, hey. is, who is one of the best product photographers out there for streetwear. And he loves Marvel as well. He collects Funko. He collects comics. Uh, and I was cool. like, okay, this makes sense. This is not just, you know, this is not just a business relationship. Like we can talk and learn and grow in this journey together. Um, and mind you, so has his rates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he spent so much time and so much effort to figure out what it takes to to shoot these photos and keep it consistent. I don't, I don't know if you've seen him in my Instagram stories, like sometimes if I stack a rainbow of cards together and you just hit click, 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 the card basically stays in place and you just yeah. see the, and I'm like, marks it. I was like, wow, like yeah. my guy is putting in work. And that's the level of uh, attention to detail that I appreciate. And um, I do spend money to, on the photography and I would not recommend this for everyone. Um, you have to genuinely have joy from that expenditure. It, in the words of Marie, Marie Kondo, like it has to spark joy. Um, and for me, it does. Um, it makes it very difficult for me to post every day. 
that's why my Instagram story is less curated and a little bit snippy. Um, <laughs> that's but, snippy. <laughs> um, as far as like taking good photos, not enough people in the hobby do it. Like yeah. not even the big brands. Um, Bro, like there was deck, a. Yeah, there was ahead. a horrible no there was a horrible picture from upper deck like i'm just gonna say it like it's it's criminal like there's no reason that they can photograph legendary cards and then show our cards and it's crap like i was so pissed they did this one the surface just looked like a regular table you got from party city and then a wood background and the card was even crooked it was a jane foster or something i was so livid upper deck cards are beautiful beautiful they're, they're foiling might be the best in the industry. But because of the scans they take or the lack of content they have of like, even like their EPAC achievement cards where no one gets to see them in person until they're redeemed, um, it does not allow you to appreciate it. Look at that. Just, just look, look at that, man. On that exquisite. It's yeah. just Exquisite phenomenal. Black Diamond. We're looking at Thanos. We're looking at the orange parallel from Avengers Infinity Red. War. Red, red. Oh, red. Sorry, sorry, sorry. See, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. Because, like, unless you have the right temperature of lighting hitting the card, like yeah. white light, yellow light, whatever it is, you don't get the true valuation of those colors. That's the biggest issue about Upper Deck EPAC, like Eugene was mentioning, and Comp C. Like, so many – I mean, I remember us all talking, and this is a little behind the curtain for everybody, but when everything was going crazy, we were kind of all looking around. I was like, well, we better buy what we need to buy today because this is going to get stupid. And all of us were like, well, we know what cards look good in person. And they – and <laughs> the, well, it's true though, right? Like a lot yeah. of cards do not look great on no. Comp C. I remember, but you order those suckers I, yeah. and they're beautiful. I remember selling um, some – Spider Gwen Silver and Rainbow Foil from Flip Spider Man last year. And I had a guy who was interested, but he just couldn't get his head around the values. I said, Why do they? Because the scans just don't look all that. I was like, Well, I don't have them in hand. But, and then I called on a few people in the group, including JD, who posted some photos and straight away he was like, Ah, I get it. Right. I'll have them. You know, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I collected, again, I've collected across many genres of the hobby. The Spirit Spider-Man Rainbow Web Foils has the best treatment on a card that I've ever seen. There's no card in any other <laughs> set, sport, genre that has that level of detail and foiling. And no. the, the, the fact that you can't see that through Upper Deck, through their content or their EPAC site, it's it's sad because it, 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 it could be so much more. I lost my mind when my spot came home. Like I, <laughs> I, I did. I, I, I text everybody in the group yeah, chat yeah. at one point too. Cause I was just like, you don't really understand. And, and hopefully verbally I can, I can give us a little insight, but the webbing is etched in there in a way, right? It's like, it's in there. It's not on top. Yeah. It's actually indented in there. So when you have a rainbow foil on the surface with that indention, it gives you this beautiful curl of light that happens around the edges of the web. It just it's 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 just indescribable how how really beautifully it is done. And Norton, to your point, there's texture on the card. There's oh, foil, yes, foil yeah. on the card, but the quality is still there. You don't see yes. fraying. You don't see chipping. No. For for that for Upper Deck to pull that off, that's the best looking insert in the hobby. <laughs> it <laughs> is no and, really and, like, other than Black Diamond. Yeah. I, th I think it's up there with – I think – I don't know if – I like the red on black diamond stuff, those parallel reds. I do like those a lot, but I do think Fleer Ultra Spider-Man just out-edges it just because of that um, 
what do you what do you call it that 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 difference you know what yeah. I mean? that's like, just designed i think they're just out edges i think both of them for me are almost the top of their respective trees in terms of the quality. yes i love that um so for mcu there's there yeah, simply yeah. is no parallel uh from black diamond i mean that, that's a high bar that's been yeah, set yeah and i think Fleer ultra spider-man is pretty much but you know i haven't said that the rainbow falling on the epac achievements for any of the masterpieces sets is also those Jeff are Jeff really Jeff's. nice uh, yeah. they're absolutely gorgeous and you don't um, see those often either you don't get a chance to really enjoy those no, yeah no, no. remember how none of us wanted to collect black diamond remember how yeah. none of us were interested uh, yep. and the reason why is because we thought they were just you know uh, we thought it was a cash grab we thought it was a, a, a screenshot yeah. of a uh, still from a movie but then you see these cards in hand and you're like yeah. holy cow and then like, I, I, th- I think the other they feel thing, like art pieces yeah, yeah the other thing for me so, uh, personally is I remember when Masterpiece 16 was going to drop and I simply didn't understand it you know, uh, it could have been explained to me for two hours, and I simply didn't understand it. It didn't click. And I remember when we had Grant on the show, and he was giving us the yeah. preview and breaking down the set, and I simply didn't understand it. And now I'm, uh, you know, I'm still learning. And that's that's going back to your earlier point, uh, Eugene. Every day's a first day at school because you're yes. learning stuff. And you know, I I got my first geography recently from that set. And again, mm-hmm. there's a there's a style choice and a, yeah. a different kind of detailing on there. But the just the just the kind of almost luminance sapphire silver of the Triskelion is just you know phenomenal on that set. And it when you get that detail yeah. in there, it just sets it above sets the bar high yeah it's, no. it's that attention to detail it's that it's that and and it's weird and and i and i hope i'm not waxing too poetic here real quick but you definitely as a marvel card collector and this is why i think and there's 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 stuff i, I i've spoken to you two about that you guys know that i'm into right now what i'm talking about but mm. uh, you know i can't say anything yet but w- what i do want to say is this I put out a video that Marvel cards are not sports cards. And the reason I put out that video is because I want people to understand that the mentality of a collecting Marvel trading cards is not like collecting Mar is not collecting is not the strategy of collecting TCG. It is not the collecting it's not the style of collecting for sports cards. Like there is a true sense, and this is I don't mean this is a diss, this is not what I'm saying. There's a true sense of curiosity you have to have as a Marvel card collector. You have to have that eye. You have to understand the the significance of a character pose, a significance of a picture that they use, because sometimes it's not original art. And that is a big thing in our hobby where, and this happened right before Fleer Ultra Spider-Man, right? Where they were like, well, it's going to be original art. Fine, let's get back to original art sets. You know what I mean? And that is always a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. But there are reused art out there where you're getting to see for the first time Jim Lee's interpretation of a character or Alex Ross interpretation of a character that might be a one of one. And people don't, unless you have the curiosity, which comes innately with being a, a Marvel card collector, you can't pick up on those things. It, it, it's a lot of work. And Norton, to that point, it, it's not a, it's not about creating a market around those cards. Right. It's to understand why they're important. Exactly. Saying that this card should be, you know, the Mickey Mantle of this hobby or or the Fleer 86 of this hobby. We're saying these cards are culturally important to Marvel. Um, and, and honestly, like that is a learning curve. 
Like, I remember JD pointing out, like, comic cuts, and I'd be like, okay, cool. That's a, that's a, you know, <laughs> somebody from Upper Deck snipped out a page from um, a, a comic and put it into a big whoop. Uh, but, then, but then I started thinking about it, and, you know, he, he'd, he'd gush about it, obviously, and then I'd be like, hey, that's a comic cover. That That's, like, a first appearance, or that's a key issue. And that's a one-of-one one in that set. Yeah, baby. Or, like, if you get a clean comic cut with, like, no text or perfect text, like... That's or a significant moment for that character. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But that, that comes back to curation, right? Like, yep. if, for you to want to add that card to your, your collection, you, 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 you're curating your collection to feature that art, that cut. Mm. And God damn it, if any of you call me the great curator after this, I will never speak to you again. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> I think I think curators we 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 started doing something <laughs> in the podcast not even thinking about Dan at all. We were just like curating it, it, because and and this is separate from all that but even the word of gathering and 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 carefully building something, mm-hmm. right? The idea of building a collection for a lot of people doesn't have what we use for our cards. A lot of people for building collections are like, okay, this is my parameter. It has to be a BSA 10 and it has to be from this set and they all have to be at this grade. There's nothing wrong with grading that way that at all. There's nothing wrong with collecting that way. That's not my point. My point is that the friction that all word that we're talking about that we're leading up to mm-hmm. came from the fact that people were not taking the time to go on this investigative journey. And here's the kicker. And here's the thing that we haven't really discussed yet, which is why I want to bring it up. That information doesn't exist publicly. Yes. That's a fact. It yes. just doesn't. We don't have it yet. It's it's held by a lot of us in this room, and it's held by a lot of people who are – I've been here for 10, 15 years, whatever. Ian, you know, Eugene, you might as well have been here that long. And <laughs> there, are people, there, there are people who are here 20, 25-plus years. You know what I mean? And you and Eugene and I have talked about this. I was like, when I meet a collector who's been here for 20, 25 years and they collect every day and they don't have the card, that's something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That means something to me. So, so to, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. No, real fast. And and I, I won't dwell. I won't dwell. The, the, the point is that since that information is not public, you have to be a part of the community to get that information. And that's what I think has always been special about us is that you have to be involved with other collectors and, and have that sense of questions, curiosity, speak to people, have those kind of mentorships and those friendships to build a, a collection that you have a plan for. And I think that's what's the big difference for us. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this uh, on a post in MCCW. Marvel card collecting information is so fragmented. Yeah. Like, like, we don't know about print runs. We don't know. There, there were sets that I, I just found out recently existed. You know? Like, that. that's yeah, my yeah. People don't know that 1966 Donruss is like the first Marvel set, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone yep. thinks it's 1990 and uh, Marvel Universe. That type of information is so fragmented, and which is why I get so frustrated with content creators, because it is their responsibility. And I'll say it, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, you... You owe it to the community that, or or demographic that you are addressing, to provide objective, real, authentic information. Um, and that was actually one of the best parts about the national was meeting mm-hmm. people in person, 
having these conversations, learning from people who know more than me. Um, I remember having drinks with the late night crew at National, which consisted of uh, Keith Boyle, Amanda, Billy, <laughs> um, Keith Speroni. Um, oh, and wow. I thought it would just be a gossip fest and we'd just be talking shit about people in the industry. Uh, but no, we learned so much about each other. Uh, we learned so much about the hobby and how everyone approached collecting. And Keith uh, Boyle actually blew my mind off uh, because he's a comic shop owner and he, he loves reading comics. He actually doesn't care for Spider-Man. He cares about X-Men. But it was so interesting to learn about his approach to collecting. And I, if you guys haven't had him on the podcast, I think you absolutely should. Uh, but the list, the list the, of people we want on is long. Yeah, he's on there. <laughs> no, we've, we've, yeah, we've mentioned it. No, but like he, he's a set collector. And the way he was talking about set collecting, I'll, I'll allow him to give those details eventually. Uh, but to see how he approaches collecting, I was like, wow. Like... That's so meticulous, and but there's also a reason to why he does it. Yeah. It's not simply I think this is worth the most, or this is going to be worth the most, and that's why I collect. That's that's shit. Yeah, that's shit. If you want to do that, spend your time and go join a hedge fund. Like you know, it's so, true. Because why else? Uh, why else are you here? There's a reason why you know people at banks or hedge funds have to wear a suit and they're soulless. Or describe solace, like that's not this hobby. If you find, if you approach a hobby this way, I, I'm not saying I'm a geek gatekeeper, but I will not make it easy for you to stay in it. No, and I think that's a lot of the frustration that that has been had by the more established collectors in the Marvel space. I'm being very careful with my words there <laughs> because. It's very easy for someone to say "true collector," and I, I the the phrase "true collector" just makes my piss boil for for want of a better, better expression because I think it's just so insulting to so many people. Um, but I think I think one of the one of the frustrations people have is that you have these people coming in and just treating it as a quick rinse before they're on to the next thing. And that's exactly what we've seen over the last year, um, yeah. which is why um, I hesitate to use the word great in front of any word that begins with C and rhymes with Murator, because you, the only thing that's great there is, is the ability to, okay, yeah, what can I do? What can I do? I can go on to that. Yeah, I can make some money on that. I can dump that. I can move on to something else. And it, there are so many people who've been doing that. And it's caused, well, I mean, we'll get on to your perception of it. And I know you kind of touched on it in your notes. From my perception, it's been, someone used the term high tide lifts all boats, which is true to an extent, but it also drowns a lot of people. It mm -hmm. also puts a lot of people out. It puts a lot of people into a place where they resent the fact that they can no longer afford to drive that car, if, if, you, if, you, if, that, may, if that makes sense. No, it's, um, yeah. And I guess, you know, from some point of view, some people listening could be like, well, first world problems, you know, it's all, it's all discretionary. But yeah, I guess so. But it's also people's lives and passions and mm -hmm. dreams. And I think... It was funny because I was definitely very much around this world. Um, I had been buying for Aoki for a little time before all the hype came. 
he hit me up randomly on Instagram and we just started chatting it up and he was like, oh man, I really want to get into some Marvel cars. And he hasn't been selling. Like you don't hear him sell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This was like a personal collection. He was just a real big fan. Um, and it's been a long time now. I'm, I'm sure that's not going to care as public knowledge at this point, I'm sure. And, you know, I was very honest with him and I didn't, I didn't say any set. I didn't even mention PMG. He came that on his own. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, I really did it because at the time I was like, well, it's taking me forever to get my green surfer. But you know what I mean? The the green Spider-Mans are like locked away in collections that are mostly mm. half sports, half Marvel. They're not really in like purest Marvel collections. You know what I mean? Which is was very true yeah. at the time. Um, and when all that started happening, everything got crazy. And at one point... People were asking me, hey, do you know where this is? Do you know where that is? And the money that was being thrown around, and Eugene knows this because I've asked him questions about this quite a bit, was like life-changing money for a lot of people. You know what I mean? And those conversations were had. And at one point, it turned from being – and I realized it – where it turned from being, hey, okay, I'll pay that crazy amount. This is going to change this person's life. No issue, right? And it changed to being like, hey – why don't you tell this person that's not kind of a big deal and we'll make a deal with them. And it got very shady, very quick. And that's when everything and before, and it had been building to that, you know, Eugene knows this about me and I'll be very honest. I am not a sports card collector. I am not like Marvel card collecting is not the same as card collecting. It wasn't for a long time. I had to like quickly learn what this world was that was like colliding with ours, you know, the, I'll throw out a multiverse reference because it's a Marvel podcast, but <laughs> there was an incursion. <laughs> it there was, was an a, incursion. Uh, there we go. The but, there uh, we go. For the win, for the win. <laughs> but you know, all this stuff was happening and it changed very quickly and it got very disgusting. And I, I did feel, t- I mean, man, guys, if anybody wants to collect surfer, I'll be real with you. I was, I was the last person to really be able to collect surfer at this point. Like before me, there were two or three people who had been and Ian knows, you know, OG OGs. And he remembers me doing this stuff. Everybody was like, that's going to be a tall hill to climb. You know what I mean? It's taking like 10 plus years to even get to anywhere near where I'm at. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's very hard. And yes. And I think well, the best part of the whole thing for me was realizing, and Eugene knows this, because that was your whole story about you know befriending people and being part of the community, which you are. You can come in with all the money in the world, but I'll tell you something, baby, you ain't getting anything that you want. That's like at that level, because that stuff to people. When you have a character like Eugene mentioned, like Spider-Man, that means so much to your childhood that helped like Surfer helped identify so much about me. Like I never I felt a kinship to Surfer when I was a kid. That's the only you know what I mean? Like it it felt like a part of me when you have collections like that. They just don't sell at the highest price. That's not the point. because you're selling part of your soul. Exactly. And that's what it becomes. Very Faustinian, you know, kind of issue where it becomes, you know, part of that. Um, And and I think a lot of people didn't realize that. And I think that's what made a hard stop on stuff. And I think that's why they couldn't get past PMGs. Right. Because PMGs were being held by sports people. So sales were happening. And then what happened is Marvel car collectors are like stopping them on the other things that mean so much more to them. You know what I mean? Because it was a lot of purists out there for Marvel cards. Especially MM and other good sets. 
I have two recent examples um, of why Marvel card collecting is special and why I, I act the way I do. And in, in the sense of I try to place cards in the right collections. Um, yeah. So I, as pe- people might, you know, discuss about me uh, offline, I, I am not an easy trader if, if I don't know you. If I if I don't know about your collection, if I don't have that relationship with you, if I don't have a sense that you treat me the same respect, like it's very difficult to trade with me. But once you're in my circle, you're in my circle. Um, in the words of Drake, that's why you pick and choose. You know, I don't get shit confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of the examples was uh, Dennis Gold, who's in MCCW. Love he's uh, he's a Flair 2019 Master Set Collector. And one of the yep. cards he was missing was the Wolverine 30th, 30th or 35th anniversary. Uh, oh, the, uh, the diamond one. Oh, yeah. gorgeous I had, card. I had two copies of that card. Um, and again, the reason why I collect cards like that is because Wolverine is my secondary character. Uh, I'll, it'll never be at the level that I collect Spider-Man at. But again, there's a reason why I have an affinity to Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Deadpool. And I explained earlier. Yeah. Uh, I remember JD was saying like, oh, yeah, you just want to collect the biggest characters in Marvel. No, no, no. Uh, I just had a natural <laughs> affinity. Um, and then, okay, so I had two of these cards and he really needed it to complete a set. And I understand how difficult at this point in the hobby it would be to get that card. And I said, hey, look, this is my price. Um, we can do a payment plan and I will hold this card for you. Um, or we, I, if you express clear interest in this card, I'll hold it for you. And when we match up with cards, we'll make a deal. And lo and behold, it took months, months. Um, I think he had like a family vacation and he couldn't pay for a couple months, months. But I got that card to him because I wanted him to have that card in his collection. I wanted him to complete a set. Now, recently, Jeremy Willingham um, had reached out to me about my Ash Gonzalez uh, Sentinel and Gambit sketch that he just recently posted. Ooh, gorgeous. And I pulled that in Black Diamond. Um, I value that sketch more than most. It's dual character. It's an amazing composition. Yeah. Um, I've, I've received you know huge cash offers, and I've turned it all down uh, because, like, why would I move that card? It's beautiful. I love it. And then he reached out with a Spider-Man card. And he was like, oh, can we can we trade? And I was like, absolutely. Yes. No question. He's a Sentinels collector. He's going for an Ash Gonzalez Sentinel sketch. It all makes sense to me. It all aligns. Right. I, in my opinion, I took a loss on that trade. I, I, I think I received less than market in terms of what I got back. But I wanted to get that card to him because I believe that he will appreciate it. And it, for him, it will be a centerpiece in his collection. Yeah, the value is not monetary on that. It's not. No. It's all about relationships, right? Mm. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I know now that he values me the same way I value him. Yeah. And this is all about respect at that point. I mean, in a weird way, like, you know, we have a chat with collectors. You know, we, we all, all of us made it a point, And I think Ian was the first one to start talking this way and w- him and I were probably the first tar- 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 like, let's just I, because I do this uh, Eugene knows this and so does Ian I keep an actual list on paper of who collects what and I always like like I know I really do I do because I come across cards and it sounds psycho but it's not like and I don't double like you know once I have like my friend my circle of people I try to get cards to people as well, and, and Ian does too. And I think that's always been a big conversation for a lot of us collectors in the hobby. Um, 
You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean every surfer belongs in my collection. It really doesn't at all. God, please. You know, that's not what it means. But what it means is that, like, if I am thinking about giving something up, you know what I mean? There's ways of maneuvering cards around us so cool collections can continue to build and they can be pillars in the hobby. You know what I mean? Because there is not a lot of, like, information out there. And that information is through the community. And it's interesting to see these Hallmark collections. I remember when the gentleman who collected Blob passed away, Rodney. Oh, Rodney. You know what I mean? That was heartbreaking because he was the Bob, uh, the Blob collector. And he had – I mean, that collection was – I remember first starting collect Silver Surfer as a character collector. That was the collection I heard about a lot was Rodney's Bob collection. And it was just so amazing when he unfortunately passed away. Rest in peace. I bought a Blob card. I still have it because I was like, I want a piece of this history in my collection from this amazing character collector. And I love that idea. You know what I mean? So I always appreciate when you guys do that stuff with each other because I, I think it is and, and it shows appreciation for the larger scope of things. You know what I mean? In a, in a way. I wonder if that type of consideration will still exist in the new world. And when I mean the new world, I mean when Upper Deck starts being and releasing sets again. Um, and the reason why I wonder is because the box, the, the price of these boxes are so high now, manipulated but high, and people are going to have to approach their collecting in a more fiscally responsible way. Um, and it's not just about placement anymore; it's about how much can I recoup. Uh, and I, I don't think it will. Uh, just to answer your question, I think you're 100 percent right. I think it's over. I think that I think a big. I hope not. Golden I, age. I hope not, but I, I do think it's done for sure. Yeah, the way we have collected up till now yeah. will be much more difficult moving forward. Yeah, it, I, I'm not saying there aren't good people in the hobby because there are. There absolutely are. For I sure. Know, I know two on this. I, I know two people besides me on this podcast alone that you know treat the hobby in a uh, genuinely caring way, uh, and I think, <laughs> uh, but. I I do see more people entering the space, and I will segue this. This is why I think the Marvel hobby needs to grow in an organic way. And to Noren's point earlier, um, places like Comic-Con, uh, a Marvel card convention moving forward, those are the type of spaces where this hobby needs to grow, not coinciding with the sports card convention, not yeah. you know being lumped in as an afterthought to comics. Uh, Marvel Cards itself needs to grow in its own vertical. And what that means is it needs to start off with, you know, uh, trade nights, local yes, shows, yes. Um, you know, artist panels, not not just not just artist signings like artists should speak. People from yes. upper should speak for people who used to be at Rittenhouse. They should speak about the hobby um, because there's so much to learn about it. I mean, we have a, what was it, 1990 Impel X-Men book out? Yes. Um, shout out to everyone that worked on that, even the people I don't like. Like, kudos to all of you. You guys crushed it uh, because that is so important for the hobby to have. A like, lot of people. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people put in that work. And, you know, I remember when Bob Budansky was telling us that he was going to write that stuff, you know. Like Ian and I very much were, you know, you need to talk to this person. You need to mention this. You need to, because, you know, 
as as strange as there is a divide between collectors and collections right now and and everything you know is a little not civil worry but you know people are divided on things i have to be honest i'm part of it a lot of different worlds and i have to be honest the commonality is the passion in marble cards and i'm gonna and i'm gonna say that and, and i honestly and eugene and ian know this about me i mean that full-heartedly i really and you can read it in that book there's people in that book that are total black holes that just don't talk about collecting at mm-hmm. all but you know what all their stuff is in there all the numbers are in there all the education is in there we've never had anything until this book we didn't even know the number, how many pack pull Jim Lee cars there were yeah. because people were shady AF hoarding them, not yeah. telling anybody anything and playing the game. And that's a fact. And I'll say it on air. And now we know that there's 2000 or 2,500 pack pulled five promo cards that are stamped with Jim Lee signature. We know that for a fact because the documentation that collectors held for years and were finally given a place to publish it. And that's is, the world moving this is forward. why people need to buy that book because we need that kind of thing. We need these books for other sets. over and we over again for, for every set. We need that. We need it for we need that, Universe yeah. 92, which is a phenomenal set as far as I'm Beautiful concerned. Set. You know, we, we you know, ideally we need that because, you know, we yeah we try to impart and record and you know have this information on the podcast so people can go back and listen to episodes and and, and, Oral history, and hear things no and yeah exactly yeah um, but you know it, it only goes so far you know the the written word to a, to a degree is sacrosanct you know that book will be in libraries that book will be yeah. uh, held in homes that book will be on coffee tables people will discover that book down the road would be great um so um so yeah the more of that uh the 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 absolute better you know my masterpieces 2016 book uh with joe jesco's art is perfectly within reach of my daughter and she's more than happy to look for it and i've told her that because i want her to be able to go to the bookshelf and pull that down and just look at the pages and look at the art yeah you know and she's it's whenever i uh, i i paused on it at the moment but it talks back to the photography thing and you know, i've got a very definite way that i used to photograph the cards not professional in any way shape size or form but i had a definite format for it for my um, daily masterpieces where i'd showcase i love that and the one time when uh, but the one set that my daughter was really engaged in and would love to look through and choose a character to be the card was just goes 2016 set it just, for some reason, it just has a sweet spot and a vibrancy and an accessibility. Mm-hmm. But she, as a five and six year old, was like even the characters that were a bit scary, she could cope with. Uh, you know, that speaks a lot to Joe and the way that he did that in the presentation of the cards. So, you know, that kind of th- thing where these cards can be openly accessible and that history can be openly accessible to people so that we get less of the snake oil quick oh. with quick with um um people coming into the hobby um flying a flag and then rushing to the next thing and flying a flag there and rushing to the next thing and flying a flag there stay the course you know educate tell people share it you know get people involved yeah it's the 30th anniversary of marvel masters yes bro it is the 30th anniversary and this is what i'm saying that I, i i wish um Upper Deck would invest resources into growing this hobby because this would have been a perfect time to activate events or publish a book chronicling yeah. 
the 30th anniversary of Marvel Masterpieces. Um, just so people can learn. Bro. Actually, I'm going to raise my hand here. Joe did post a few months ago that it was being worked on. I'm not sure it's the upper deck that do it. But Joe did post asking for information in the same way that Bob Budiansky did. That's right. That's so, right. I think so that might be for like a 92 is in book. the works. Yes. Yeah, I, think, I think it's for a 92, 92 book. book. Yeah. I think that's so what's happening. Whether that's the same people who So we're moving. The, yeah. So, but, yeah. But, yeah. So it, it, it's coming. It's coming, people. Um, and I'm hoping that Joe will will eventually come on and talk about it um, and a loads of other stuff when, when he's ready. Any opportunity I have <laughs> to try and get Joe on the podcast, I'll do. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's something else I'm going to tell you once we've finished. Eugene. Oh, that's not public domain um, with relation to masterpieces. <laughs> um, just because I like to keep people guessing, <laughs> and it Mr. might be—it might be nothing. I might just be fucking with our audience. Um, right, you, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna circle this into land because knowing you—you were supposed to have someone at your door ten minutes ago. They're not here, so I'm super grateful. My they're, water heater last night flooded my garage, so that's actually what happened. Your so, garage. Like now, you've already yeah. mentioned that this goose from Black Diamond was in your garage. So no, no, no. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm slightly no, upset that a, a you've got a Black Diamond card in your garage. Um, it's for you. So it's in a box marked for Ian because Ian okay. wanted to collect goose at one Is point. Is it floating? So, is it no, it, when I say flooded, I mean like half the garage is like floor filled with water. It took me forever to figure out where the water pump was. It's not under this. Anyway, that was the whole thing. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, so, Eugene, um, if um, if you don't mind, just quickly tell people uh, where they can uh, give give the handles to your Instagram feeds. I mean, we'll put them on the tasting notes as well so that people know where to go to eyeball your, your wares. Yeah, for sure. My... Uh... My personal collection is on uh, at Rare Air Collection. Um, I do have hopes of selling singles one day on uh, Rare Air Collectibles. Um, usually I've been partying with sports cards, but um, I'll, I'll tie back to this in a second. And then, yeah, I, I, I also have Rare Air Breaks, but that's really just for friends and family breaks. So feel free to connect me. And, you know, the next time we have good Marvel product at an affordable price, we can uh, all partake together. <laughs> uh, one of the cool things just about national, by the way, mm. that people wanted to buy cards besides what I was showcasing. They're like, what else do you have? So the second the the second through fifth day, I laid out a bunch of singles, including Interesting. including sketches, uh, black diamond, um, and low end singles like uh, '90s holograms. Yes, uh, oh. and so many parents with kids came by and bought the holograms. Um, so many people bought sketch cards and there was no price resistance because for them, they just wanted like a souvenir of sorts. Mm. Like they, I came to the show, like I, I can bring home some original art. This is amazing. I didn't even know there were sketches. Yeah. And then you'd be surprised at how much black diamond I moved at the show. Wow. Uh, wow. That was the best seller for me besides, uh, besides like some sports cards, but yeah, I'm actually not uh, surprised. I mean, you look at them, they're gorgeous. I mean, they are gorgeous. They the eye appeal is crazy. It's oh, not just the IPO. It is their connection to the actor. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's what that's what leads on Black Diamond. That's yep. the one thing consistently throughout. When you look at the text checklist, it's mm-hmm. actor as you know. It, it goes. It's, it's always format. first. It's just um, so so Can't respectful to the yeah. to the to the faces one to three and the experience. You people have. just to bring it full circle. You put out your show beats, as Dwight would say, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> 
you've lost me. And that is why the U.S. version is better than the U.K. version. There you go. You, you've, you've lost me. You've, I, I don't like either of them, so you're, you're, you're okay there. <laughs> um, Eugene, very quickly, tell us about the guy who came by and said, my three-year-old is getting into cards. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even remember the full story, but, like, so – what was it? Oh, yeah. So someone came by – my showcase and was like oh yeah i'm trying to uh but he brought it one kid and he's like oh i have a three-year-old at home and um i want to bring some cards home for him i'm like okay cool there's like uh you know this stack of 90s holograms i just bought off another collector just so i can provide for people like you and then he went to ask about like my Tom Holland exquisite autos. Then he went to ask about my Jambalaya. He's like, what's the price of these? I'd love to bring these uh, home for my kid. What? I'm like, what? <laughs> are, you ser- are you serious? Like, really? This happened? This happened. The, the, Yikes. This is, this is the, 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 the type of people who are, you know, on EPAC or on eBay that send you, I, like, I would love to purchase this for my kid. But this happened to me in real life. I was like, yeah. oh, I such a brilliant story. You know what it reminded me of? It I reminded didn't hear me of this. Damn. It reminded <laughs> me of that scene in Unbreakable where someone's trying to buy original art in Samuel L. Jackson's gallery. And then they said it was for their kid. And he said, I- I'm sorry, this isn't for sale. <laughs> this isn't for sale. That's the end. I actually love, you know what? I'm going to rip that scene. We're going to put that on Instagram. That is a great scene. That's a good one. Such a good one. It's actually really good. The reason why you didn't hear the story. Is because you're not currently in the character club chat, and this oh, is my God. public plea. Public shaming. My public plea for you to come back. Thank you. I love you, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> and if you come back, Norin, you'll be doing what Eugene does. Eugene, what should people be doing? Everybody should enjoy collecting. <laughs> Perfect. What was, it? what was it you were going to say? <laughs> Everybody collects. That but, works as well. I like that. that. I like well. that one. Everybody. I think have happy collecting was the original one that Ian wanted, but I told him that's too uh, excuse crazy. Excuse me, dear. Excuse me, dear. What happened? Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Visuals and tasting notes for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. You can subscribe and leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash mccp. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Our podcast can be found by Googling at the MCC pod, which will also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Our Facebook community is at MCCW, Marvel Car Collectors Worldwide, and MMC, Marvel Masterpieces Collectors. The great music we use is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists, and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time. And remember, it's a small hobby, but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting. <laughs>